Okay, okay. Keep looking up. Okay. This is Flyover Book, a podcast exploring the progressive arts, culture, and politics of rural America. This episode is brought to you by Haymakers Community Engagement Consultants. If you run a business or nonprofit working to make the world a better place, then visit wemakehay.com to see how Haymakers can help. This episode is also sponsored by RuralOrganizing.org. RuralOrganizing.org has been equipping and empowering rural changemakers since 2012. Visit RuralOrganizing.org for more information. Well, I think this is a good time to run as a woman because there's a lot of emphasis on getting women to run. So there is so much. I mean, I could I could probably spend every weekend at a training. I'm focusing on women running, which is super exciting. Um, and we need more women running. But the challenges are um, I'm still a mom of two little kids and I can't go to everything. Like one night there was a big economic development meeting that I really should have been at, but I had to go buy a minivan because like our car seats didn't fit in this new car. And so I think that's definitely a challenge is having little kids. The election of Donald Trump has encouraged many to run for public office. This isn't just true in the cities, but in small towns as well. Today's guest, Bryn Bird, is a small farmer living in Lincoln County, Ohio. She's running for a township trustee position, and it's her first time seeking office. We talk with her about the challenges of running for office as she navigates small town politics. I'm Matt Hildreth. You're listening to Flyover Folk, exploring the progressive arts, culture, and politics of America's rural communities. I'm fascinated by the idea of, you know, kind of small town politics. And and we were talking a little bit before. There's a, you know, that old Tip O'Neill saying that said something along the lines of, like, all politics is local. And I mm-hmm. realized in a lot of the work I, I've done in small towns, it's also personal. Mm-hmm. And so I started saying that and then I read somewhere that Joe Biden said that. <laughs> and I was like, dang it. Cause there's no way I'm going to convince people that <laughs> you were the first, that we were the first, but I'm, I'm wondering, can you just maybe give some context for what you're, what you're running for? Yes. So I'm running for township trustee in Granville, Ohio. So we're 40 minutes outside of Columbus. Um, and township trustee is kind of like a village council for the township. So we oversee um, fire and rescue, the roads, um, cemetery maintenance, maintenance. There's a park district. So um, we oversee that work um, outside of the township, in the township. Our community is a little bit different in that we do have a largish village inside of the township that also votes on the township. So I have to get... Um, the voters in the village and in the township and the village it's because we do their fire and rescue. Got it. So like, what's the most controversial thing that that governing board takes on the fire station um, right now is a controversial issue that came up after I announced I was running. I wanted to run a lot more based on tax issues of commercial versus residential tax base um, and looking at growth. Um, We have Columbus is kind of coming out this way. So I was more interested in, development growth and tax base. And then after that, they want to move the fire station from downtown Granville, where it's been since the beginning of Granville to out just outside down by the grocery store. And, um, that's turned into a really hot button issue. All right. So this is going to be the defining issue in the campaign. It is, but I'm trying really, um, I, you know, for me, what I'm talking about with the campaign is that 
I think it comes back to community engagement, transparency. I think the community is just frustrated and feels like they wanted to be more engaged in the decision making. It's been the decision making has been going on for 12 years. Yeah. And I think because of the last election in November, everybody's like hyper aware now. Yeah. And so even though they've been making this decision for 12 years now, everybody's like they just kind of decided like, yeah. yeah. And so I think the um, they're just like some resentment in the community that they wish that they could have been a part of the process more. Mm -hmm. So I'm a lot of what I'm talking about is, yeah, okay. You know, we do need to ensure that the communities engage more. I think even what you just said, I talk a lot about the fabric of democracy is trust in our government. And, you know, we have a broken trust in our government, I think at the federal level. And I think it starts at the local level to rebuild that trust. So you can see that distrust in this fire station issue. Like right. people just don't trust what's happening. So I want to be sure that we're rebuilding that trust in democracy and in our government at the local level. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I do like, I think that's the basis of the frustration. That's, that's a really interesting point because I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, in kind of different organizing circles is we, we, we sort of refer to it as fixing potholes. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of have to fix people's potholes right. before you can provide healthcare that people will trust right. you with. And, and, and that does start locally. It does. And even in our local town one over in Newark, Ohio, where I um, was just working in doing kind of some community organizing around this farmer's market, you know, the higher government, the mayor and the commissioners and everybody, they're really working on this long term. They're looking 30 years out by, helping revitalize this downtown area to bring in commercial tax base to raise the taxes so then they can pick fix people's potholes but the community just sees it as you're not fixing my potholes like we don't care that these you know the new wood fire pizza place moved in i still have a pothole right and so it's very hard for that for people to see that long-term payoff so what what does a campaign look like for uh for this trustee position. I mean, so are you running like million dollar ads on TV and it's more expensive than I thought, but no, it's not million dollars. Um, the good thing is, is it's a nonpartisan race. So there is no partisan divide there. Um, and it's a short race, you know, there's no primary. So I announced in June, I didn't even get, um, the board of elections didn't even verify my candidacy until, like two weeks ago. So the third week of August is when they even say like, oh, you made it onto the ballot. Yeah. And then the elections in November. So it's very quick. Um, but, you know, just post like mailings, the signs, couple coffee, you know, gatherings and fundraisers. Um, they run anywhere from like six to ten thousand dollars. And so there is, you know, some I mean, I've done two fundraisers and that's really uncomfortable again because it's all your friends but it's gone really well and i've learned a ton and you're running against your friends in some cases yeah so the people that are running yes so local politics is different in these are the people you work with every day so one of the women i'm running against who's the incumbent like i go to the same gym as her and i see her and she's at the farmer's market you know buying produce with my family and so there's that like in the end, after this is all said and done, whoever wins, you still want to be friends with them because most likely we're going to live here until we die. So you want to be friends with the neighbor down the street. Um, one of the other guys running who is the other non-incumbent, he, you know, his kids are going to go to school with my kids. I think our kids are in the same grade. Our kids aren't school age yet, but when they get there. So, like, 
I've got 18 years with this guy. So, you know, I think it it takes out a lot of the personal attacks. And right. I've sat down and had coffee with, you know, some of the people running saying, like, hey, this isn't like a personal thing because you just want to make sure, like, it's not a personal attack. It's a very policy-based, it's a very policy position um, looking at a local government. And I really like that. And I think it really, yeah, you can't be personal. Like you're, yeah, so what, what, are, what do you think, like, some of the people in national politics could learn from, from that you. you could actually run a campaign based on like policy but i will say you know i have really come out with some like ideas and and when i've gone to present these ideas i have people in the community that are like wow i didn't think trustees had like i you know such policy positions or policy ideas and then that made me sad too like oh so you just thought i was gonna win based <laughs> on being nice you know like i do yeah. have some ideas of how could we have some more economic development and um and people were surprised that like i actually put that much thought into it well i do want to talk a little bit about the local policies because we have a lot of people that are looking for um advice for Mm -hmm. for things that they could do in their in their communities because i think that uh the community that you're in is is similar to a lot of the people that listen to this podcast you know it's kind of a small town outside of a big city Mm -hmm. and a lot of things there but before we get into that i i would like to hear a little bit more about um the process of running and and thinking about that i mean at what point did i decide do you decide because i think there's a lot of people out there that say well maybe i should run one day and then they all talk themselves out of it so how did you keep right from talking yourself out of it so last year somebody two people in the community um, that are respected um, came to me and said, like, we would love if you ran. Um, you know, we really think you could do it. My name had been in, you know, local media and stuff a lot because of this uh, farmer's market development in the town over. My family is known in the community because of our family's little produce farm. So people, like, know who I am, and they said, like, I really think you should run. And I had just had my second um, daughter, and so I have two under three years old and thought, well, this isn't the right time, but it was felt very flattered. And then um, after the last election in November, I didn't run because um, Donald Trump won or like the backlash of that. But I did felt really compelled to run because there had been there was such an uprising of organizing in our community. There was a whole group of um, people who all of a sudden, you know, really wanted to get engaged, volunteer were much more conscious of like who was their local elected officials all the way up, like really started to like think about it. And I felt that wave and thought, if I'm going to do this, there's this great support system that can stand behind me. Um, And so I ran really based off of that knowledge that there was a support system that was really interested in local politics, which I don't know if it had been there really two, four years ago. Did people, you know, I don't even know if people knew what it, township that they even had a township trustee um and so i really felt that energy and i will say so i still was dancing with the idea like oh maybe maybe i won't in late april and um people in the community who were really work you know really wanting to be more engaged after the election kind of stepped up and said we're throwing you a fundraiser on this date and like sent out an invitation and then my other um friend who i my child goes to the sitter with who's a um marketing manager like made a logo and just sent it to me and was like hey look i made you a logo and then hey look there's an invitation hey it's done yeah and so i almost didn't have the chance to back out (laughs) because they were really behind me so had other people also not stood there 
And now I'm really realizing the importance of those support people. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Michelle, who did all the marketing stuff, she she knows more people than I do. And I always tell her, like, you would be great. You should run. But she has no interest in running. That does not excite her. But she is so excited to help candidates. Yeah. And so I'm realizing how important, like, those support roles are. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised it takes a lot to ask. Like, for me to just give in and ask for help. I just threw a fundraiser a few weeks ago and it was this ice cream social and I want to, you know, I was going to have it at my house and take care of everything. And everybody was like, we want to help you like let us. And so a neighbor friends, it was like in their house, you know, and then other friends like donated all of this stuff and Mm -hmm. people showed up and I felt so awkward. (laughs) Like, Oh gosh, they want to do this. And, but they were so happy to help because I think so many people want to be engaged. So, I've talked to a few people on on a, on a couple different levels um, who this would range from neighbors that want to help somebody run to people starting organizations. Mm-hmm. Think of like lead South Dakota, for example. Um, but what, what is going through the process of running, you know, in a local, a local election, what is the biggest need that you see that isn't out there for people like you? Technical support. So- Port. Um, so lead is actually coming here to do like a training in Licking County, like a whole group. Oh, really? Yeah. In October, I won't be here for it. Um, but I do think there's like technical support that while this is a nonpartisan race, um, I have been really lucky to know people within our county Democrat club mm-hmm. and Democrat party. And they have been able to let me know of other candidates who mm-hmm. are running. And then I meet with those candidates and they just like... In an hour, just be, you know, just tell me everything. Like, this is who you go for for this. This is what you need, you know. Like filing deadlines. Yeah, this is your filing deadlines. This is who who you buy your postcards from. This is who can help you with signs. This guy has mm. 500 sign holders in his barn. Like, all these things that yeah. you really need help with. And people, there are so many great organizing groups. Um, there's um, a non-person group, She Can Win, that was through the John Glenn School of Public Policy, they hosted like a two-part series where we learned about public speaking. I'm a really good public speaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, that sounds super crazy, but I can really do it. But even going to that, what I learned there was so beneficial. And that was like this free event that people told me about. I ne- I would not have known about it had um, other leadership not just said, go to this, you need to go. Mm-hmm. So that the technical support is huge. And I was just talking to another um, man who's running for trustee in one township over and no one had reached out to him to tell him all these things. So he was really trying to figure it out and kind of lost in the woods and Mm -hmm. he was going to buy postcards for like $600. And I was like, no, 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 these, this is who you need to go through. And I felt really like excited that I could already share it on, like go to this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And I think that technical stuff. So is that, is that just informal knowledge? through the like kind of the community leaders or is that is there like websites that you're going to for that information um i think like our county for me it's been our county democrat party and um club the leadership within those organizations Mm -hmm. have been um in ohio we have project main street um which is through i don't i never know if it's the party or the club but it's through the democrats and the project main street is to help first-time candidates Mm -hmm. and that has been phenomenal i mean they they put out so much information and then they know who's running and then they put you in contact with mm-hmm. other people. 
There's always stuff. Like so that. between that group and the John Glenn Public Policy Group at the mm-hmm. Ohio State University, what would you say are like the two game cha- game changer things that you found that sh- that that really like kind of kicked you into an, another orbit? Um, the Project Main Street is the organ is like the relationships building with other candidates. So the relationships part, right? It's all relationships. I now know of four other women running mm-hmm. for local office, not here in Licking County, even mm-hmm. most are in Franklin County. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing these women, I go to them all the time mm-hmm. just to ask questions, the dumb questions that mm-hmm. you would be embarrassed to ask as a candidate for other people. That has been huge. And then, um, in our local level, um, being put in contact with another local volunteer who helps you learn how to like mine for voter data, you know, in the van or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, um, was game changing. I mean, he sat down and showed us how to do all of that. Mm -hmm. And that was really powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, because if not, I wouldn't have known that you could find that information. And I just would have started knocking on everyone's door and people would have been like, I'm not a registered voter. And right. And so this is huge. Okay. So relationships and the voter data yeah. has been the big, the big thing for you. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. And you mentioned running as a woman. Could you talk about like the unique challenges there? Um, well, I think this is a good time to run as a woman because there's a lot of emphasis on getting women to run. So mm-hmm. there is so much, I mean, I could, I could probably spend every weekend at a training focused on women candidates okay. in the state. Of Ohio. I mean, there's stuff all over, um, focusing on women running, which is super exciting. Um, and we need more women running, but the challenges are, um, I'm still a mom of two little kids and I can't go to everything. Like one night there was a big economic development meeting that I really should have been at, but I had to go buy a minivan because like our car seats didn't fit in this new car. And so I think that's definitely a challenge is having little kids. And then also it is, I think women are sensitive, not that men aren't sensitive, but I do think knowing that people will talk you know, are going to talk bad about you and say mean things about you and not like you is a hard thing. Um, I've talked to a lot of other women and we've talked that is, um, when I talk to women about, Oh, you should run their first response to me is I don't think I have thick enough skin. Mm -hmm. And I do think, you know, Lena and talked about it a lot, but women also convince themselves that they're not, um, that they don't have the credentials to run that they, that they're not qualified to run. I think that all the time too. But then I, um, you know, really think about like, what are my unique set of skills mm-hmm. that other people don't have? And, you know, a lot of people running right now too are older. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm a young candidate. I'm only 33. And so I've been meeting with a lot of people in Granville and they are concerned about our tax base as retirees. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, I'm worried about our tax base as, you know, as people in our young thirties in our young careers who, don't have money mm-hmm. and are raising a family and what you know i'm thinking about it with our schools and where are my kids going to be in 18 years and they're thinking about it as retirement so i think that's um a unique perspective too and why in my opinion i think we need um a lot more young people to run and i think that is harder as a i think it's harder for me running as a young person at this point than as a woman also because being a young person i'm working mm-hmm. and so i can't go to all these meetings i don't i can't sit on every board I don't have time right. to do all these things that other candidates, they start running once they're really, after they've had their careers and they have all this time to do some of this stuff. Right. But between the support structure that you're kind of getting in yeah. place and the, the, the people that just kind of designed your logo and sent out your invitations and do everything for me. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the things, but I, um, yeah, I think as there is a good time to run as a woman cause there's so much support right now. 
Well, let's talk, let's go back to the policy stuff because I think that, um, you know, in addition to the, to the running, you have to have, you have to govern think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you, uh, I think have a ton of experience on thinking about, um, uh, policy and thinking about small towns and farms as a farmer, uh, and all that stuff. So I, I would just like to be, I'm, I mean, for, especially for the people that are listening that are kind of thinking about, you know, their town, um, whether it's encroaching mm-hmm. development from the city, um, or if it's, you know, issues specific to remoteness and, uh, which I think is maybe less of an issue right, here, but, but, um, but still maybe there a little bit, what are some of the policies that you're like really excited about to, to kind of, you know, st- start implementing, you know, once you win? Mm-hmm. Well, I also think how I got to my policy positions. So when I started, I thought I knew exactly what I was going to run on, mm-hmm. you know, rural broadband, these, all these issues that I thought we needed. And one of the first things I did, I spent a good four months just meeting with leadership in the community. Um, I met with the superintendent, with the fire chief, with the police chief. And I, you know, just set up these meetings. And when I met with some of them, they said I was the first trustee candidate or trustee who'd ever asked just for a meeting, just to hear their opinion, right. not to come in with like, this is what I'm doing. What do right. you think? Or I need this from you, but just saying, what do you see as our issues? Like, what are you seeing as this is leadership with, like- with our township? Yeah. With the schools, with the fire. I mean, people who sit on like the development committees and, um, all the different groups in our community. I met with like our County economic advisor and other people in the community just saying like, what do you see as right. the next issue? And that, um, shaped pretty much how where I really changed a lot on what I realized are some of our bigger issues. And also it was really good to meet all this leadership. Um, and so I think the things that I'm most excited about are with our fire station issue for me, again, like I said, I think it's turned into a government trust government. How does the government work? And, um, learning a lot more about community advisory committees that happen all around the country where these, um, community members can come onto an advisory committee. They too get to learn the data, go through the research, come up with their own recommendations if they don't, you know, and then the trustees can kind of work off that. And also for us, our big issues, our economic, um, our tax base, we have really high residential percentage of our tax base is residential and not enough comes from commercial. So how do we target commercial, um, commercial businesses but our problem is, is our taxes are pretty high in this community. Right. We have a lot of different development rules. Um, our community is great in that we have a lot of zoning structure, but it also inhibits it. So how do we go about... I've looked at neat um, examples and case studies from just here in central Ohio where townships and villages do um, partnerships and zoning partnerships to allow for more build ready right. um, plug and play commercial sites. So I would like to see some of that um, happening and working on like a larger strategic plan as a County in a, these smaller townships in the County. And how do we um, work together to go after shared resources, shared revenue? You know, I think that's another thing is there are a lot of resources out there, but township trustees are like super, super part time. Right. They don't have the background in it. So how do we come together to go after some of these resources to expand our, you know, road connectors and have some broadband internet one day. We have satellite internet that doesn't work when it rains. Yeah. And as a business owner, that's a problem. Yeah. So, so I'm wondering if you talk 
I mean, you, you almost kind of mentioned it a little bit with like the gap between um, maybe the national platforms mm-hmm. that are out there as forward thinking people. I know it's a nonpartisan position that you're running for, but 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 where do you go for like progressive small town policy, uh, you know, positions or like what what is a what is a like a progressive position on the location of the fire department or the, the, the well i guess they, your, I your say, populist position of uh just yeah, they don't, have, say, they don't really have a progressive one yet um and that, i guess that is kind of a neat thing is that it is it is super nonpartisan on where does the fire station go um but for other like progressive ideas on like economic development and stuff north carolina um i look a lot at down there i mean there we're lucky and in our community there are some i think secretly progressive people yeah um that i definitely rely on a little bit on how what are they thinking how are they going about it i think that knowing in your community my who is like the progressive people is helpful yeah i mean that's a lot of it is yeah the secret progressives but it's not like yeah there's a ace to hear saying back when i was living in iowa like everybody's a republican even the good democrats are right (laughs) (laughs) um but 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 I'm wondering specifically on kind of the shortcomings of the kind of national politics, I guess you could say, like we talked with Doug Burns about this uh, a couple of episodes ago, you know, about how in Iowa, the Iowa caucuses have allowed the race to become nationalized. And Mm -hmm. so the candidates are showing up talking about kind of these big ideological issues Mm -hmm. that, doesn't translate into people's lives like mm-hmm. the potholes, um, you know, fixing the potholes and making sure the potholes are, are, are fixed. So I'm, I'm wondering if, if you, have you seen that gap? I mean, like, do, did you feel a little bit underprepared, like in terms of, I mean, you, you live the stuff every day, so you'd be mm-hmm. prepared in that sense, but like, there's not people pushing out talking points on. No, there aren't. And I think it's really, and I really, I sometimes think I might be over preparing because I really am concerned. And so I have been meeting with like our, in our regional planning office. Yeah. I meet with their tax guy to better understand the tax code so yeah. that I can talk about this right. a little bit better. Um, so that is a hard thing is yeah, no one's pushing out talking points. You kind of have to understand them. But I think I am really the first to say in these meetings, like I don't, I'm coming right. to learn more about the community. And that's what I've been saying too. No matter what happens in this race, if I lose, I have learned so much and it's made me such a better person in leaning into these like crazy awkward meetings um, where you go into meetings with people that you know don't like you or you go to a meeting where you have no idea what you're talking about but you just say that like I just want to meet with you stranger person right because I want to better understand this on the hopes that I win (laughs) and sometimes I get sad like if I don't win I really have I think started to understand some of these bigger issues in my little community that there are workable solutions. Right. And if I don't win, then no one, you know, like no one's going to do them. <laughs> so yeah. then what happens? Yeah. But it is hard. There are no talking points. And I'm, I do feel though that national politics definitely have not pushed into this local race, except for this distrust in the government right. and a really new hyper vigilance of what's happening. Right. I think the hypervigilance is obviously great. Yeah. But um, I think that there's also like a lot of people who are now really, really excited about politics who maybe also don't understand how policies created, procedures, committees. I think some of that stuff that happens 
Um, I was involved in DC a lot. I know, you know, you do work and stuff. So people who are in it, we also understand like when there's a community hearing and then what's the next step and you post it for 30 days and comment periods. And there's a lot of people that are getting into it and they um, get frustrated in those constraints and not understanding maybe how it's been done or how it's always been done. And some of these like normal procedures feel very frustrating um and so a lot of times i feel like in our community there's a great group um they just um reestablished a league of women voter Mm -hmm. in our community and that is based on this idea that you know we should spend some time like just talking about how are these decisions made and Mm -hmm. who's who's making these decisions and how can you be a really active um citizen in helping get the voice get your message out there and and, and talk to your legislators. So I'm really excited about that because I felt like that has been um, something happening in our community too. People want to know how to help. Right. Well, any other surprises? Um, I really, I mean, really the biggest thing is I thought I knew what I was going to run on and that is not it at all. So now I'm like talking about taxes and I do love that it's this nonpartisan race. And I've had, you know, very conservative people say to me, I don't care that you're a D. I care that you care about these issues. And I want you to meet with all these people. And that's really exciting to take that party politic out of it. And sometimes it makes me sad. And I think, oh, my gosh, I never want to run in a higher race because this feels so genuine that we are having these conversations and you don't immediately get turned off by my you know, what party line I stand on. And I was talking to somebody at a women's training and she was saying she gets people who say like, oh my gosh, you're my, you're the best candidate ever. I'm so voting for you. What, you know, which party are you? And when she says, oh, I'm a Democrat, they immediately are like, oh, I can't vote for you now. Yeah. And hearing that, I just think like, oh my gosh, like, right. And so that's why I really love this local race. And I um, never thought I would learn so much about the community. And mostly every day I say like, Every day I have to do the most uncomfortable thing. And that's just going to make me a better person. So I think running is a good thing. And I think people should run in their local race because they'll better understand their community. And in the end, you're going to come out better. You're a better person for it. Yeah. Well, maybe this will be my last question. Um, Mm -hmm. And and it's I'm curious, you know, having gone through all of this, why do you think Democrats or progressives struggle so much in Rural communities. Small community, Yeah, smaller communities, rural communities. I think it's turned into a very culture situation. Um, I, I think about a lot of times, like, some of the most, you know, Democrat m- older men that I know, and then I know their grandsons, you know, have Confederate flag belt buckles and are Republicans, and I think, like, where did that that value structure change? And I think a lot of it goes back to just in our communities when the jobs left people felt very like the whole forgotten situation and um, the republicans have done a really good job of communicating that they are not forgotten to them um but now i think it's a very cultural thing i think religion plays a lot more into it than um we want to talk about too i mean i think that there is a huge thing of if you you know are a uh, a good Christian person, then you are going to vote Republican. And I have felt that, I mean, from my community, from family members, from people in my life that immediately have a issue with the way we vote and then going to church every Sunday. And how does that, Yeah. how does that align? Um, and so I think in rural communities, that's a, that's definitely a problem. However, I, 
really do feel um, more hopeful um, and talking with some of the organizing happening in our state. And one of the things we talk about in rural communities is having like different validators. When I was joking about the secret progressives, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot. And there are a lot of people that I know are still Democrats or progressive and getting them to say it out loud yeah. in their community yeah. is really important. Um, you know, you would drive around during the election, you would just see all the Trump signs. And I know all my friends, when we had Hillary signs, didn't put them out out of like awkwardness or fearfulness, just like, oh, I don't want to get into it. Yeah. We need more people standing up and saying, no, I do stand with that. Um, I just was with a friend um, who is very conservative and to hear him speak out against DACA or like speak in support of DACA. Yeah. <laughs> um, was like amazing. And you could see everybody in the room kind of turn to him like, oh, well, if you're with it, than I am. Yeah. And so I think that there is a need for us to really encourage people who are progressive to stand up and be validators. I've been kind of talking to some other people in my community that I know are so respected, very quiet about their politics, very progressive. And if they just put a sign in their yard, yeah, like how that could bring other people out. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the signs in the yard because all of the, you know, expert air quote expert, Mm -hmm. uh, consultants in Washington, D.C. a couple years ago decided that yard signs don't matter. I got the same thing. So I went through the training um, with the party and they said, don't put money in yard signs. Yard signs don't matter. Yard signs don't matter. And so I was like, okay. And I started talking to people out here and people told me I voted for somebody because of yard signs. And you know, and you hear that over and over. So I just this week ordered 100 yard signs and and now I have a guy that somebody told me about who's really strategic at knowing where you should put your yards. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, you can in a lot of places you can get the DOT maps, and you oh. can get you can see the numbers of people that are driving on the road because that's how they decide where the road construction goes. Oh, and which is so helpful. You can just you put them in there too. But I, but I have to say, I think I think the most important part about that, and it, it always bothered me. I mean, trust the data. I get it. Somebody ran a test somewhere, and you know, had a control community where there's no yard signs and. And, uh, but local politics are different. It's fundamentally different, and I think it was a, it was a, um, it was a. There, I think it was a presidential mm-hmm. study that 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 flipped it back. At, I think during Obama's uh, during twenty twelve, and um, but but in small towns, it's it's not just that there's a yard sign. It's oh, you know, D- Dave is yeah. Dave is supporting that candidate. I guess I need to think it, you know, mm-hmm. I need to look into him. I like Dave's politics or maybe you don't like Dave's politics. Right. Oh, and, I, and that's the other thing too, is the reversal. I mean, there was a very early, um, Trump supporter in our community who had signs up and he, he's a business owner and I know dozens of people who stopped doing work with his business. Yeah. And so I do think people know people. Well, and that's it gets tricky. They'll put money into social media. Mm-hmm. And say, you know, we need to spend money on social media because that, that social media validation matters. And I don't think they realize in small towns mm-hmm. that that you have a social network in the sense of not technology-based, but just people know each right. other, social capital. And so, you know, why would you tell somebody to post something on their Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, wall? It's not even called a wall anymore, feed. And then... <laughs> uh but not put it something in their, you know, in the front of their house when right. everybody knows who's because when you know who lives in those houses, it makes a difference than just right. a random sign. And business owners, business owners are local business owners. I had um, one of the local business owners on my host committee mm-hmm. with, and he has a sign, 
And that was incredibly bold for him to do. Yeah. And people were like, oh, I really like him. They know. They, right. And that is a huge benefit. That's more of a benefit that his name was next to my name at a fundraiser than any news feed. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Flyover Folk. Once again, I'd like to say a big thank you to the Ruralists in Sioux Center, Iowa, for providing our intro and music during the episode. For more information about the Ruralists, search for their record label, which is called Northwest of Nowhere Records, on Facebook. And don't forget to join our social media conversation by searching Flyover Folk Podcast on Facebook and Twitter.